as soon as you really do surrender, and I got to be honest, this is a practice and it's a continuous practice. Until I take my last breath, I will be practicing surrender. It's not like, oop, I've got it mastered. I'm good to go. Like it is a practice. But truly when you do surrender, whatever it is, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in business, whether it's in how you feel about yourself, whether it's in your, the way you feel about your body, the way you think, like when you fully surrender and then accept that surrendering is when the power is unleashed. Welcome to Jess on the Mountain, a podcast about yoga, chakras, and becoming your own guru. I'm Jess Goulding, and today's episode is about our lustrous gem, Manipura, the third chakra. Located at the solar plexus, the color is yellow, the element is fire, and its focus is on the will, self-esteem, personal identity, and transformation. I'm focusing today on the will and manifestation aspects of Manipura, how ideas from the upper chakras funnel down through the fifth chakra, center of communication, and are spoken into the world. Then they're bathed in the love of the heart and ignited by the flame of transformational fire in the third chakra, eventually making its way through the second chakra process of creation and finally fully manifested as it becomes material on the earth. Without the Manipura will to keep going, the manifestation doesn't happen. It doesn't embody. It returns to the realm of ideas. This season is all about embodiment, which is the final step of manifestation, where the unformed takes form. Just as we were perhaps an idea, we were spirit, before the creation process culminated into who we are today, spiritual beings having a human experience. We have bodies that hold our story, our issues and our tissues, as they say. As we explore the manifesting current, the energy that runs from the sublime to the material, etheric to gross, I invite you to take my short online course, Chakra One Embodiment. It's the first of my Chakra Savvy courses, and it's composed of three 20-minute yoga practices, three informative and educational slide presentations about Chakra One and a collection of journal prompts, which are designed to help you get grounded, feel present, and embody the life you have. The next one, Chakra 2, Delight, is in the works. So now's the perfect time to delve into Chakra 1, get embodied, and then ready to delight in your life. You can purchase this course on my website at jessgoulding.com embodiment, or in the episode show notes. Be sure and use the coupon code PODCAST and get $5 off your purchase. Today, I have with me another wise and wonderful guest, Shannon Jamail. Shannon is the amazing founder and creator behind the Mind and Body Complete family of companies. Shannon owns a beautiful retreat center called Retreat Ranch, just outside Austin, Texas. It's a serene and inspiring place where people can come to recharge and find their inner peace. FYI, I'm hosting a women's retreat there in April of 2024. You can join the waitlist for this retreat on the events page of jessgoulding.com. That's not all Shannon has going on. She is a multi-talented individual. She's a best-selling author. So you know her words resonate with a lot of people. She also hosts her own podcast, Happy Hour at the Ranch, sharing her wisdom and insights with a broader audience. 
Shannon used to show up for people as a certified therapist, but now she has transitioned into a mentorship role. It's clear she's passionate about guiding and supporting individuals on their personal growth journeys. And speaking of growth, she's a yoga teacher trainer too. Yoga is clearly an important part of her life, and she's passing her knowledge on to others. But it's not all work for Shannon. She's got a fun side too. She calls herself a tequila connoisseur, though she might not be the most serious one out there. She enjoys sipping on a good pour now and then, which is just one of the many ways she might choose to unwind and play with friends. Above all, Shannon has a powerful mission. She's on a mission to elevate individuals in both mind and body, helping them connect, grow, and thrive. She does this through a variety of means, including online courses, books, programs, and retreats. It's clear she's dedicated to making a positive impact on people's lives. She lives with her family on her ranch in Hill Country of Texas. It's the perfect place for her to be close to nature and continue her journey of self-discovery and wellness. So now I bring you my interview with Shannon Jamail. Welcome, Shannon Jamail, to Jess on the Mountain. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, Shannon, I have you on today because I see you as someone who embodies Manipura, the chakra of will, self-esteem, power, and the ability to manifest dreams and turn ideas into reality. This is what I saw when I visited Retreat Ranch in Marble Falls, just outside Austin. So I'm wondering if we get started here, could you just tell us a bit about this amazing place you created, kind of what gave you the idea to start something like this? Yeah, sure. Um, So Retreat Ranch, it's a 46-acre glamping kind of event retreat space, and I knew I wanted to open a space I wasn't sure it was going to look like this, but I knew I wanted to open a space when I first started hosting retreats just over 10 years ago. Um, As I was traveling from place to place, uh, I could not, first of all, I couldn't ever find a space that was like exactly what I needed for what I was trying to accomplish. But also, you know, I was just wanting a home base and I was taking the best of every space that I had rented or visited or attended because I also attend retreats myself and then brought them into this space. I've been super intentional about many parts of the space, but one of the biggest things is working with the ranch, working with nature versus just coming in and plowing it all down. And so you'll see it's very nature forward. Um, We're really big in repurposing. So if I can find something that I can bring back to life rather than buying brand new, I tried to do that. Um, And I would say probably about 50 to 60% of the ranch has been from a repurposed space. Uh, The biggest thing that I would hope is that when someone comes to the ranch is that they feel the intention and the love that was put into every quarter (laughs) of the space. Um, And that is my biggest thing is that they just feel that and that they find what they're seeking. I mean, that was exactly my experience when I went to look around the space. I saw complete attention to detail, everything done with love and care, like something special that you have woven throughout. And it's kind of, it's like an intangible feeling, but it's, it's deeply felt. So I I can't touch it, but I know that somehow there's this beautiful intention woven into each living space and the whole ranch at large. And I'm wondering if there's, how how did you do that? What is that? Is that just in what you buy? Did you, um, you know, have a ritual around the things you purchased? How did you, how did you, impose your intention and this deep love and care into the space? 
Ooh, that's such a good question. I don't think anyone's asked me that. And the truth is, is I built it with me in mind, but hoping that someone would feel the same things that I'm cultivating. So for instance, um, let's say, you know, I, I go to many antique shows looking for those things to repurpose. And let's say I see something and it triggers something within me, then I'm like, ooh, how can I share this with someone who comes to the space? And so then I take that piece and then I create something hoping to uh, create whatever it is that I felt when I saw the piece or when I thought of the piece or when I felt the piece, when I touched it, whatever may be the case. And then I, I create that space on the ranch. And I am super intentional as far as, you know, what is it that I want someone to experience when they see it? And then also once it's placed or done or built, I come back after and I really spend time. This is the woo-woo in me, but projecting what I'm hoping they're feeling in their heart center, whether it's love, whether acceptance, whether it's peace, joy, whatever it is that I'm hoping that they will gain from that space. I'm, I'm, I feel something and then I want to try to help project that feeling. You take it in and transform it into yes. an act of service. Yes. Which, yes. you know, I haven't even mentioned very much how much Manipura is the place where we have transformation, where mm -hmm. we turn food into energy for our nourishment, mm -hmm. but you're turning an object into um, an energetic service of love. Yes, that's what, so well put. And how do you, um, how do you project that? Like um, I'm picturing you like sitting in the space and meditating and gathering that energy, but maybe it's more simple or more complicated than that. Is there a way that that, what does that look like? No, it's very similar to exactly that many times. So one of my things, my daily practices is, you know, I, I touch the top towards my head when I'm like, may I think love? And then it's, may I see love when I touch my eye area or third eye? Um, may I speak love and may I feel love? And so that's something I start in almost I, uh, very consistently, almost in the day that way, but I very consistently start the day that way. And so it's the same concept when I'm in the space, whatever it is that I'm wanting to feel, I touch my center points that I just mentioned with that emotion. And, and then I literally picture it projecting out of my body into the spaces or into the object, um, again, whether it's joy or peace. And so I practice that feeling in those spaces that I mentioned, and then I'm, I'm literally picturing it projecting out of my body into those areas. It lands. That's. I mean, it's undeniable. Now, you know, we can't talk about the retreat ranch without talking about the horses. And Babies. I've had some experience with horses. And when I think about working with them, I think about power because they have mm. so much mm. will. Mm. But it's as in I'm trying to get them to do what I want them to do usually. And, <laughs> and then surrender because in the end, you know, they're bigger than me. So I usually have to remember to surrender my efforts a bit in order to create this co-participation with the horse. So yeah. and I know you offer yoga on the horses, near the horses. How do you see mm -hmm. yoga, this you know, balance of effort and surrender in working with the horses? I love this. Uh, I first want to mention a couple of things just because some people listen to this and they're like, wait, yoga on horses, you know, what kind of marketing BS is this? <laughs> I, I first want to say it's, it's not, they're not a prop. Our, our herd of horses, they're not props. It's not a block. It's not a strap. It is, it is a partner. This is partnership yoga. And it's, it's simply a connection to another living being who, by the way, does not exhibit judgment, right? And so horses, they're totally always in the moment always in the moment. And so all they are, are a projection, a projection of you and your space and what you're feeling. There's no judgment in that projection. It's just a projection. And so the more you can connect with yourself, 
then connect with this other living being. And it's just a, a, a cylinder or a cycle of going connecting to self, connecting to the horse, connecting to self, connecting to the horse. And the best way you can do that, and really the only way you can do that is to be present, right? Is to be in touch with what you're feeling and what you're thinking in that moment. Um, but it's all about tuning in and then surrendering to what is. Like, instead of changing it or trying to change it or trying to deny what we're feeling or what we're thinking, or what we're experiencing, it's just surrendering in it, right? And that is the way that you connect with yourself and then with the horse. And so it's been a powerful thing that we started probably about a year or so ago. I first started training the herd of horses on it. So they weren't like, what in the hell are they doing? And making sure that they were accepting of it too, because I know you talked about Will, but I'm a firm believer that a horse has the right to choose. And so if, if my horse is like, or one of the horses is like, nope, that's not for me. And we did have a horse who was very much like that, just did not care for the experience whatsoever. And so we took him out of the rotation. Um, and once in a while, we bring him in and just see how he's feeling and see if he's open and become receptive to it. Every other horse on our property, except for Molly, who's our mini horse, <laughs> um, is very like loves, loves horse yoga. And so, um, but it really is, it's, it's a full surrender to the present moment, to what you're experiencing, to what you're feeling, to breath, to life, to energy exchange. Um, it's, Probably, honestly, Jess, I've, I have practiced every form of yoga with the exception of naked yoga. Um, and I got to tell you, it is to me the most impactful um, transformational form of yoga because any other form of yoga, if you think about it, any other form of yoga, your mind still has the opportunity to wander. It still has the opportunity to think about a, maybe an argument you just had or planning something for the future or worrying about whatever. When you're doing horse yoga, you have no choice but to be in the present moment. You are connected to yourself and to your partner because it is a 1,200 pound animal, right? And so we still don't forget the fact that it is an animal, kind of like what we chatted about at the beginning before we recorded. And you have to be present. And honestly, if you're not present, if for some reason you wonder, your partner will let you know. <laughs> I got to tell you, even when I'm riding a horse, right? If you, you're ridden, you've ever gone on a trail ride or whatever, and you try to take your phone out, have you ever noticed this? Typically, you shouldn't, by the way, you shouldn't be on your phone. But if you were to try to take your phone out, which I do because I'm doing business and sometimes my phone pops up and I'm like, oh, let me just grab this. My horse knows and will veer and, and turn her head and look back like, what are you doing? What's ha what's what, what? Why are you not paying attention to what's going on right now? And so you that is what happens in horse yoga, too. Your horse will let you know, like, hey, you're not here. You're not with me. What's going on? What's going on? And so um, but but it is really it's it's. I can go on and on about it. So oh, you have to yeah. Me but, off. <laughs> wow. I mean, that speaks so much to what these phones are doing for our attention. Yes. And every our ability time, to every time I ride a horse. Um, when I'm doing horse yoga, I don't have my phone on me. But when when I'm riding, if I pull that phone out, the horse will veer off, will turn around, will swap its tail in a way that says, hey, um, every single time. So the horse is sensing a shift in you, I'm guessing, yeah. right? I'm not a horse. Yeah. But yeah. it's not just that you're looking somewhere else. Like you're, It's not just your eyes. It's something about your whole vibration, I'm wondering, if... Yeah. So there's something called congruence. Um, it, I mean, there, it happens with humans too, but if your energy, if your energy, which also includes your breath and your heartbeat changes, the horse will feel it. 
A hundred percent. I mean, that's how they communicate in a herd. If you think about it, when they're in the wild or even if they're just ranging on your property, whatever, a horse communicates through energetic exchange, which is through breath work, it's through their heartbeat. It's through um, just what they're projecting out. And yes, it could be a whinny as well. And it could be, you know, their body movements, but a lot of it has to do with breath work and heart rate and just the whole energy is surrounded in that. Um, they actually can even match up heart rates. So they can match up heart rates to the herd and they can match up heart rates to you and vice versa. When you are distracted, when you're not in the moment, which usually goes with stress, right? Because usually when we're not in the present moment, we're stressed about something. We're thinking about something that's not pleasant. Not always, but a lot of times. But even if we're excited about something, like our heart rate changes, our breath changes, our body changes, we tense up, right? Or we relax or whatever. The horse feels all of that. I mean, think about it. The horse feels a fly on this giant animal, right? A fly lands on it and it feels it. So it feels every shift within you. It feels your skin when your skin changes and you, you, you know, maybe you got tingles or something like it feels that it knows that you've done that. The horse knows that. And so it feels your energetic change in your body. And it's, it's going to respond to that. As you're talking, I'm like um, that they're incredibly embodied. If they're feeling a fly on their back, or on their rump is what I'm picturing. And they can yes. <laughs> sense that and they're sensing you like they're really in their body feeling everything and letting it give them information, which is the whole yeah. intention behind embodiment of being fully present in your body so that you are sensitive to the world around you. Not oversensitive necessarily. Yeah. It's a very noisy world. It is. But um, just to have that sensitivity to our partners, to our children, to our friends and coworkers that we're not just barreling our head with our agenda, will forward, belly out, like I'm doing this, like pull back into that sensitivity that you can experience when you're more embodied. And I'm, mm-hmm. now I'm just going to think about horses when I think about embodiment. Yeah. Well, that's my goal. You know, so just when people come here and they experience a horse yoga session, if they add that on to their experience or their, their stay, obviously the experience itself is to me super transformational. But each guest also gets like this essential oil roller that we use with the horses, by the way, and the horses love them. My hope is that once they complete this experience and they leave, whether it's the essential oil or they're able to visualize or drop into that space, that they can reconnect to that feeling of being completely embodied, completely present, um, and completely in tune and surrendering to what they're feeling. Like truly like, okay, I am feeling this right now. All right versus I don't want to feel this right now, right? Because that's what we do all day long. We're all all day. We're like, I don't want to feel this. I wish this didn't happen. I wish I had more of this. Uh, I don't like that. You know, that's what we do all day versus this is what it is. Now, where do we go from here? So this is exactly kind of where I wanted us to go in our conversation. Um, I'm mentioning, you know, just speaking of surrender, that that's the name of your book, Surrender. It came out in 2018 and it tells much about your life before Retreat Ranch. Yes. So when you think back to that time in your life and Manipura, power, will, self-esteem, effort, like transformation, what do you remember can share with us that made you move towards surrender? Nothing else was working. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. I don't, I don't know if, if, Without being super intentional, if you're not going to be super intentional about it, the only other way you'll surrender is you're at your end 
or you like find that nothing else is working. Like you're just now there's not another step I can take. I'm surrendering. I'm and then not and I'm done. It's more like, what is it? What do you want from me? What what am I supposed to really learn here? <laughs> and so that's I mean, I was at that space of, okay. I am swimming upstream, damn it. And the upstream is not working. So I'm going to stand still in this stream, maybe even let it float me down to wherever the hell it wants to take me and see what I can experience that way. And holy shit falls. I mean, truly, it was like, as soon as you really do surrender, and I got to be honest, this is a practice and it's a continuous practice until I take my last breath, I will be practicing surrender. It's not like, oop, I've got it mastered. I'm good to go. Like it is a practice, but truly when you do surrender, whatever it is, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's in business, whether it's in how you feel about yourself, whether it's in you, the way you feel about your body, the way you think, like when you fully surrender and then accept that surrendering is when the power is unleashed. And that sounds so like not how it should be, right? It sounds the opposite of how it should be, but that is how you become the most powerful is that you surrender and accept. Um, and then you can make true decisions and you can be super intentional about your next steps or, or decisions that you're making um, versus completely fighting against, denying, wishing it away, trying to, you know, wish that, you know, that wasn't there, which by the way, I don't like the word wish. It's one of those things that is just not my favorite word. Not very powerful word. It's not. It's not very powerful. Instead, say, I will, I am, um, or, you know, I'm going to, uh, but not I wish. Uh, To me, I wish is like, you don't, you're not happy with something. And all you're telling the universe is you're not happy with something. And so they're going to give you more of that. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but anyway, so full surrender, a full surrender, which to me also follows very quickly with full acceptance. Uh, But yeah, I was at a point where I knew nothing else was working and I needed this is it. This is, this is where I needed to be. And sometimes you have, again, I don't want to say this is the only way to get there. You can be super intentional about it, but sometimes you also have to be humbled to get there. And I think I was at a very humbled state of my life. And that's when I was able to, that's when I was able to receive the message of surrender. I'm sure it had been, been in there. It had been trying to talk to me for a really long time. And I just was like, no, (laughs) I'm not doing it. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's not um, often spoken of outside, you know, transformational circles and um, and and places like like we tend to show up in of yeah. saying, surrender your power. I promise you it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. For me, um, I don't surrender my power. I surrender control. And I feel well, like those are two different things. Okay. Right? okay. Because I don't want someone to think surrender equals powerless. Yeah. Because it's the exact opposite. Sur- surrender means let go of all those things you're trying to control and then watch what happens. Right. And and that means it really comes down to I'm not, stop controlling everything but your own actions because you cannot, right? I can't control Jess how this podcast is going to go or your next question. Even if I gave you a list of questions, you could decide to do something else, right? Or vice versa. And so I can't control how you feel about me. I can't control what's going to happen when we walk away. Like, But I can control my next best choice, my next best action. And that is the power of surrender is that versus, you know, I don't want anybody to think that they're going to surrender their power. They're going to surrender control in order to be more powerful. So, sorry. 
Uh, no, far. that is so beautifully put, and I'm glad you made that distinction. Um, yeah, I, I can tell I've, uh, I had overlined those two things, and really, um, unclenching your hand takes as much willpower as clenching yes. it for more. Yes, and then when you unclench it, look at it, it's open to receive, right? We're clenching it and going, I'm going to punch this hole in the wall um, to get what I want. I bet you if you open your hand, it'll land right there. Oh, that is so beautiful. You know, when I think about you, you're, you're talking about surrender, letting go, receiving, and yet it takes so much will, drive, power to create something like Retreat Ranch, to create a whole business around the surrendering. Like it just seems like dual opposites, and yet they they come together in this co-participation. That is yoga, that effort and surrender, effort and surrender, effort. We're supposed to, supposed to, air quotes, you know, according to scripture, put in right effort and relinquish the fruits. Like we just, yeah. they're not for us. Yeah. Which is what I hear so beautifully in what you're saying. What you're doing, you do in service. Yeah. So it's like you take the power to make something happen, to transform something that you found in an antique store into this beautiful service, which then is received by others. And as they receive it, then you receive the ability to go mm -hmm. buy more stuff that you can then infuse with the beauty and the love. Like I see that yeah. cycle or that circuit. It is. It, it's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what happens in the surrender process too. The more you surrender to what is, the more you're able to see your next best choice, truly. Because before that, it's, it's like blocked off. Then you make the next best choice and then you're able to surrender in that. And then you receive through that surrendering. It is. It's this, this, this cycle of beauty, to be honest with you. And as you describe that, what I'm seeing also is kind of this um, energetic connection between the chakras. You know, so often we think of them as it's this chakra, this chakra, and we separate them out. But it is this beautiful swirling system. Mm -hmm. I almost want to picture it or you know, invite people to picture it more like just watercolors swirling through you, carrying all the energies of all of them. Yeah. And they're housed, you know, a different on, on these different places. But, you know, if, if our will is clenched and our stomach is, and our solar plexus is where I'm doing this and you're preventing it coming up through the heart, through the fountain of love and out yeah. into the world, then you're blocking the energetic flow to get it out. Yeah. Now, if it can't get to the heart, how's it supposed to get to the eyes for you to see your next step? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't. No. If you're going to see that next step, you got to be open between the thing that helps you make a step, third chakra, going down and embodying first chakra, make a step and make something happen on the planet. You can't see it without that openness, without that clarity, without things flowing. Yeah. Yeah, no, instead, just like you mentioned, we're clenched and we've got this vision of what needs to happen and how it needs to happen. And I mean, it's kind of like what I talked about at the beginning when it comes to Retreat Ranch, Jess, that's, this isn't what I pictured. Imagine if I had stuck to my picture like and fought and just and punched my way through to what I originally envisioned. Um, I don't know if I would experience this joy that I have today. I walked on this property and I felt this incredible, incredible takeover of my body of just like peace. And I, I literally unclenched my, oh, this better be it. I hope this is the one. It's got to be the one. We're, I'm so frustrated with this process. I'm tired of being excited and then let down, whatever. I remember letting it all go and go, if it's meant to be, it will be. And I had not felt that way yet on any of the other properties that I supposedly loved, right? So I remember when we sat at the table and we signed the paperwork, it was this sense of, see, 
you totally released this and we took care of it. Like I totally released it and surrendered it. Um, And that's what I've tried to do with every part of it. That doesn't mean I haven't gotten upset or frustrated when something's gone wrong because shit goes wrong all the time. But uh, but that and when it does is my reminder. That's almost the universe's reminder of saying, hey, you're not surrendering. You're not accepting. You're fighting. And that is when I get mad or frustrated or hurt or upset. That's my that's like my my bell or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Your little wake up call. Mm-hmm. You're reminding me of something that I had forgotten about. Um in my earlier days, I was a dancer and I went off, you know, from, from college, I went off to New York and was going on audition after audition after audition, like trying to get a part, trying to get a, um, a position in a company. It's all I wanted. And, and it was a lot of effort. And then there was a lot of disappointment, of course. And then there was a lot of compare comparisons my roommates would get jobs and it was like and I was getting so frustrated Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I went to this one audition and the director had us all just laying down to start and he just had us get in with our breath and he said you're not here for me or for anyone else you're here for you and you're dancing and my body unclenched just like you're saying and I felt like all right I'm just here to dance then I'm not going to try to get this anymore. I'm tired of trying. And that, of course, you know, that's the job that I got. Yeah. It's that surrender. It's that unclenching. It's that release of control that that is when the power happens. (laughs) And it's, how do you practice it? Well, like you said, every time it comes up, every time it comes up. Every time it comes up, it really is a practice. It's a, it doesn't see, and this is where people get, it's hard to, to, to picture because people are like, well, how can I desire or be excited or, you know, whatever and surrender at the same time? You can still feel all those emotions of, oh, I would love this. I would, I'm striving for this or I'm, I'm working towards this, but surrendering to the fact that the outcome might not look exactly how you imagined it. And every time you're feeling resistance, know that that's a cue for you. If you're feeling resistance in the process, if you're feeling resistance in your body, if you're feeling resistance in your thoughts, if you're clenching, if you're tightening, if you're getting upset, that is a flag to surrender, to practice surrender, to, to say, okay, is this supposed to look different? Okay, what is my next best step? Okay, is it time for me just to be quiet? Do I just need to be quiet and listen to what the universe or God or my heart is telling me or all three? <laughs> and so that's the practice. That is the practice. You're bringing me exactly to one of the things that I highlighted in your book in, in the chapter about silence. Mm. Um, you know, silence is a gift, a blessing, and a necessity. You said, today I seek silence regularly. My husband might call it hiding from the kids, <laughs> but I call it resetting. I find it in my closet, on our boat dock, or in my car. Multiple times throughout the day, I take three to five minutes and just breathe. Each time I do, I find clarity even if it's just clarity that today is a good day to be a good day. Yes. So you're finding silence as a practice. Mm-hmm. Does that help with surrender? That is part of the process, I think. I don't know that you can fully surrender without being quiet. And here's the thing. There's a quote, and I wish I could attribute to whomever said this, and I think I've even tweaked it, so I apology to the universe. But <laughs> it's that whole, you you have to... You have to love yourself to accept yourself, which acceptance is part of it, right? You have to love yourself to accept yourself, but you can't love yourself until you spend time with yourself. 
right? And you can't spend time with yourself unless you're quiet. And we fill so much of our waking hours. Hell, we fill our sleeping hours. We're listening to shit when we go to sleep, right? But we fill so much of our waking hours with noise and distraction that we're, there's no room for surrender in that. There's no room for acceptance in that. There's no room for it in there. So the only way to make room is in silence. And however that looks for you, I, I don't have a boat talk anymore. We moved off a lake. Now I live on this ranch. And so sometimes my quiet, believe it or not, is going into the horse barn and listening to the horses chew or, you know, just going for a walk or you, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be on a 46 acre ranch. It could be in your closet still, like I mentioned, or it could just be in your breath. It could be in the moment of doing dishes. It could be, you know, wherever, don't fill it with a book or TV or chatter or, you know, whatever it is that you normally, when you're on the toilet, just people take our phones to the toilet. I mean, you know what I mean? We can't even, we can't even listen to ourselves take a dump. We're just like, no, I have to fill the silence all the time, you know? Believe it or not, like those silent moments is when we're inspired. It's when we can accept. It's when we can hear, you know, what we're thinking. It's when we can take the time to to maybe accept ourselves and love ourselves. And so anyway, silence is part of the practice. Absolutely. That's so funny. I uh, sometimes with my yoga therapy clients, you know, we have, they don't, they're not ready perhaps for like a 20 or 30 minute yoga sequence. Sure. So it's like, okay, you're going to have to do some bathroom meditation or, you know, um, take five minutes to breathe while the coffee simmers. We call that coffee meditation, you know, just peppering it throughout your day is a beautiful way to start with this, um, stepping into silence. And it does, it, it can be pretty radical, pretty quick. If you just commit to a little bit, right. A little bit. And there's that, there's that third, you have to overcome maybe a resistance to sitting in silence and letting the noise settle. There's so much resistance to silence. I mean, really look at, just look around the world. There's so much resistance to silence. Um, So funny. So you and I had like uh, same concept, but different roles where I, I used to be a mental health therapist. And so I'd have mental health therapy therapy clients, but I am, am brought yoga into the sessions, right? So everybody knew that if if you were booking an appointment with me, we were going to do therapy, but we were also going to incorporate yoga elements into it, whether it be meditation or breath work, and sometimes some seated postures. The therapy clients came to me not in their yoga clothes typically. So um, not that you can't do yoga in jeans or whatever you want. And so, But anyway, so we would do postures that made sense for whatever they were wearing and whatever their body type was and they were comfortable with. But one of the practices that we would do would just be 60 seconds of silence, 60 seconds of mindfulness, where you're just tuning into what you smell, what you taste, what you see, what you feel, um, and what you're thinking even. But just 60 seconds, 60 seconds can make a difference. It's like a tiny little reboot to our parasympathetic system, too. So, yes, silence is so, so, so important. Yeah, it's it, it's so little to ask. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you know what, if, if everybody listening to this, whether it's one person or a million people, try setting your timer for 60 seconds and see how much you resist it. You know, if, unless meditation is a, a practice of yours that you're very fluent with, but for the average human being walking around, setting a timer for 60 seconds and just being quiet and just breathing, they're literally like twitching. You know, they're like, oh, is it, is it 60 seconds yet? And it's been like five seconds, you know? So yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, it, it uh, but it is, I consider silence a fifth chakra thing because that's where we communicate, make sound, all of this, and it's the antithesis to noise. And so yeah. um, 
we're kind of shutting down fifth chakra with a noisy life. Mm -hmm. So how can we get to, like I said, see our next step if we haven't gone through the silence, the balancing of fifth chakra so that we can hear from your heart, hear from the power in this, in this totally dynamic system. Love it. Perfect example. So um, you have a, a new book out. I do. I do. I'm so excited. Mine's coming in two days. Oh, yay. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, it's completely different from my first book. My first book is very much a self-development book. And my second book, which is the Retreat Leaders Playbook, is very much a business development book for the most part. It's really helping individuals who want to host their own retreats. And that just came from years and years of one hosting. And then for a while there, I was doing business coaching for future host uh, leaders, helping them to launch their retreat business. I don't do one-on-ones anymore, but... um, but I still get asked the question all the time, how do I start? How do I start hosting retreats? Because it is such a powerful modality. Um, yes, the business and, and abundance financial side is absolutely wonderful. It is a beautiful, beautiful aspect of your abundance you know, uh, energy sphere. However, the real power behind hosting retreats is the transformative space that it allows for people. And we need that. Oh my gosh. If there's one thing anybody could take out of this COVID hell is that we need space to tune in, to tune out of all the noise that we just talked about, but to tune into themselves. So the book is meant to be an overview. Um, I have an online course that goes way, way in depth and also has, you know, continuous updates. Anytime I learn something new, I'm in there like, ooh, adding, you know, new content to it. It also has templates and all kinds of fun stuff in it. But the book is still a very, very good overview of what to do to start your own retreat business um, and add that as a leg to your current business um, or your current offering. It has been an absolute joy having you on, Shannon. Where can we, you know, where can people find you and learn more about you, get your books, get your courses, make a retreat reservation. Yeah. The the main parent company is mindbodycomplete.com. That's our parent company. It has uh, trainings, it has retreats, and it has a link to the retreat ranch as well. Um, and so that's probably the best space to start would be mindbodycomplete.com. Thank you. And we will link to that in the show notes. So awesome. It was such a joy spending time with you. You too. I look forward to seeing you next month when I'm there with my group. Woohoo! I can't wait. Yeah. Thank you. If you're curious about how your Manipura is operating, you can download my chakra check-in self-assessment. This PDF has some journaling questions to consider for each chakra, and it comes with a video guide to get you settled in and tuned into your chakra wisdom. From there, you'll have access to some of my favorite tools for bringing balance and harmony to each chakra, whether that's through the breath, meditation, movement, or an affirmation. You can find the self-assessment and the three-question chakra savvy quickie quiz on jessgoulding.com slash podcast. And so, my friends, may you empower yourself to surrender. May you see your next step with true clarity. And may you become a master manifester of your greatest dreams. Much love.